On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are looking for love in 1950s India in the BBC's adaptation of A Suitable Boy, getting our hex on with witches working for the US Army in Fort Salem, and reporting that, at long last, we have finally been judged worthy to pull the review of Netflix's Cursed from the stone embargo in which it has been encased since time immemorial. So, that's nice. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, a show that feels like giving back to our audience this week. So, for the next 30 minutes, all five-star ratings sent to our Apple Podcast Review page will be sent back doubled. Joining me on the show this week are two people who I've not seen in the flesh since March, and yet have somehow managed to James-splain directly into their ears more during this lockdown than ever before. In the blue corner, hailing from a town in Essex, I don't actually know the name of, uh, we have internationally renowned TV pundit and best-selling author, Mr Boyd Hilton. How are you today, Boyd? Uh, very well, thanks. Ilford in Essex is where I grew up. Ilford, Ilford. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. It's, um, yeah, it's a very glamorous location. Um, yeah, although I was born in the East End, I think I was born in Clapton in the East End. Yeah, fascinating. Born in Clapton, shipped off to Ilford, and then returned <laughs> yeah. to us better yeah. than ever before. <laughs> Joining us in the red corner and hailing from somewhere just shy of the actual North, yet pretending otherwise, we have internationally renowned magazine editor and best-selling author as well, Miss Terry White. Hi, James. You haven't seen me since um, the first week of February. That's actually true, yeah. Because I, <laughs> wow. I left I left the office to have a baby and thought, oh my God, it's just the world's going to change in the time that I'm away. <laughs> what little did I know? Um, or what, what a lot did I know? It's nice that we've all kind of been on sympathetic maternity leave with you, though. I think that, that was kind of good of yeah. us all to do that. Thank you so, for joining yeah. me on the world's most <laughs> weird maternity leave ever. No baby cinema. Don't get me started. Oh my god! Yeah, mm. it's uh, it's it's a weird time. I must admit, I am going ever so slightly mad at this point, as we are now four months into complete isolation from other human beings. Um, I feel this is some sort of weird <laughs> dystopian on. experiment. What did you say? Four months? Four months? Four months? Or in your case, forty-three years? <laughs> Just yeah, a man yeah, and his yeah, guitar yeah, yeah. alone in his house. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I don't need anybody when I get you, babe. <laughs> It's right. I, I don't need people, Terry, because I have my music, so it's all good. You have the axe. Has your guitar got a name yet? Has it got a name? No, I've not named it. It's just guitar. Okay. I think, you know, okay. I, I've not named it. Gender? I feel like, does it have a gender? I mean, I guess. Are guitars all female, like ships and stuff? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I've, I've, I'm, no. I respect its privacy and I've not thought to look. So, uh, <laughs> you know, its fretboard is its own business and I don't feel the need to get all up in its you know, strings. Um, but yes, well, you know, moving hastily on from that, let us talk about what we have been watching this week. I will begin uh, because I have watched all the TV this week, <laughs> which is, you know, a symptom of lockdown life. So I will start by saying this. So I've, I've, I've paused my Luther rewatch because I watched season four of Luther and I had forgotten that season four is the season of Luther that no one likes to talk about. So it's the one that's two episodes long. It's the one that doesn't have Ruth Wilson in it and it's not good and it makes no sense and you have Laura <laughs> Haddock turn up as a character who claims to be a psychic in contact with Alice Morgan who apparently for this season at least is dead but then 
all this stuff is set in motion and the dots don't quite join up. Like it doesn't actually make sense. There's a the thing about some diamonds in a safe deposit box, which doesn't make any narrative sense at all. And then it's set up almost like, so Laura Haddock's going to be this sort of big bad. And then if you watch then season five afterwards, it's like they retcon season four completely out of existence. They don't acknowledge it. They have a little, oh no, this is what really happened to Alice and let's move on and never speak of the season again. So this is your yeah. pause rewatch. This is the pause, is it, that you're ranting on about in, in, yes. in great detail? I have God, paused I like to it. What, no, I paused it actually I finished it. I watched season four this week and it, and I stopped at that point. I was on set of season four. Um, so wow. yeah, it, it, it was a weird one. I, Rose Leslie's in it. She's very good. But it, yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely a low point, Luther-wise, uh, season four. So I will get on season five at some point. But the reason I haven't jumped straight into season five is I had other things to watch. So I watched, finally, I watched the end of The Good Place. I watched like the last eight episodes that I hadn't seen and the finale of that, which I finished this very morning, um, which was really good because the previous season, I think everyone agreed, was a bit of a low point for that show. It lost its way a bit. But I think it really rallied in the final season. And in the, in the home stretch there, it became slightly more profound and actually quite philosophical and a really interesting look at, you know, how uh, how big things ending give things meaning, and it has a quite a bittersweet hour long finale as well, which is uh, which is quite lovely. So that that show that show is yeah, it's it's a genuinely great comedy, The Good Place. I also watched the entirety of the Umbrella Academy this week because season two drops next week and we're going to be reviewing mm-hmm. it. And I kind of felt I should watch the whole of the first season because I, unlike you two, as I recall, I quite liked the Umbrella Academy, the first episode when we reviewed it. Um, yeah, we and so liked I wanted to it, I think. I, I seem to recall there being a healthy amount of meh from you two about that. I didn't like it that much. Maybe I'm I didn't like it that much. But yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was great. It's very quirky. Mary J. Blige turns up in this as a time-traveling hit woman called Cha-Cha. And Boyd is actually wearing a Mary J. Blige t-shirt as we record this podcast wow. so you know yeah. synergy totally brand. synergy yeah so yeah so that was yeah. the umbrella academy which i watched as well so i am absolutely i am if you will in a good place to review the umbrella academy next week oh. <laughs> gold absolute gold is that have you done are you done i'm done <laughs> i've been watching um the rise of the murdoch dynasty which oh. it was is a yes Meant documentary series it's brilliant. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It's um, It started on BBC Two this week. It goes out on Tuesdays. And um, so I watched episode one. And then I loved episode one so much that I went, I used our um, BBC preview privileges and watched the next, the final two as well. Because it's not all on iPlay, annoyingly, for listeners to this. Um, but it just reminds you, even though, I th- you know, we all lived through you know, late period Murdoch, certainly. We all remember, you know, the Leveson inquiry, the closure of the news of the world, um, the hacking scandal, et cetera, et cetera. To have it presented to you as this epic story of the most powerful media mogul in the world and how he got there and what his he and his family did and, and the succession element of it, that how closely it mirrors um, succession of the TV series to the point where they're very cleverly, like the th- the music they use and the title sequence and almost the structure of the series is, def- is clearly alluding to how succession is inspired by, to, to some extent, the Murdoch story. But it's got everyone on it. It's got like Hugh Grant. It's got Murdoch's number two um, just discussing. It's got edit- former editors of The Sun and the News of the World. It's got Piers Morgan, unfortunately, but, you know, he's part of the story. Um, all the kind of key players, apart from Murdoch himself. Um, and it's just just a reminder of just the extraordinary stuff that went on in this world. Like, who to actually remember, remind yourself that Wendy Dang, Rupert Murdoch's previous wife, 
to Jerry Hall, who is he's married to Jerry Hall, first of all. I mean, how the fuck did that happen, right? And his previous wife, Wendy Dank, was rumoured to have an affair with Tony Blair. And they address this in the series. And it's quite, did you they? know, the machination. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's various, there's one expert um, reporter who has been following the story, an American journalist. I think she works for the Washington Post. And she basically says they probably did have an affair, you know. And who's going to sue? I mean, you know, and they've denied it. Um, but it's, 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 she, Wendy Dank wrote a weird email to herself talking about how much she was obsessed with Tony Blair and how fit he was, yeah. literally physically fit and hot, etc. All of this stuff is there. And I mean, the Leveson Inquiry itself, all of that stuff is absolutely incredible. The kind of nexus of power between people like Alastair Campbell, Tony Blair, Rebecca Brooks, Andy Coulson, all these people, and Murdoch was just unbelievable. It was just, it was like a kind of, you know, mafia-esque system that they developed. And um, yeah, it's it's brilliantly made it's really it's 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 fascinating it tells the story in an incredibly um entertaining way so yeah it's called the rise of the murdoch dynasty it's on it's so the episode one's on iplay and episode two will go out tomorrow as you're listening to this i can't wait to watch that i can't wait and i the other thing i've been watching because i will say i am um i have been spending time with my in-laws this week for the first time in a few months um which also means relinquishing control of the telly. But what I have been sneaking away oh. to watch on my laptop is um, Unsolved Mysteries, which is this uh. Netflix reimagine reimagining. Well, basically, they've just done it again. Do you remember, James, the original <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries? I-, I remember its existence. I've never watched it. So it's it's like one of those kind of classic 80s 90s part documentary part kind of um uh reconstruction so they take a different unsolved mystery each episode and they interview kind of people from the time whether it be police officers um and family members and stuff like that and then they recreate dramatically with actors the um other parts of it and it's so old school and so classic and i remember it vaguely from um years ago and you know this is not let's be frank we're in the period of peak tv we talk a lot about wonderful cinematic television with depth and resonance this is not that but what this is is multiple episodes of mental unsolved crimes which you can this is the very different definition for me of binge watching i'm not going to say guilty pleasures i'm just going to say it's like eating six dominoes pizzas in one go um and i think it it was like number five the number five most watched thing um on netflix this week which i loved because it's just one of those classic things it's like when i used to watch um crime watch when i lived in um new york just for the naff reconstructions it just there's something (laughs) very soothing and comforting and not that challenging about that kind of television and i am here for it at the moment do they have? Do they still do the reconstructions in in unsolved mysteries? Yes. Oh, excellent! I'm gonna have to watch it. Yeah. Watch it, Boydie. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on it. Okay. Well, let's move on now to this week's listener question. And this week's listener question comes from Tim T. And he asks, which TV character best encapsulates your co-hosts? And this really is a kind of can open worms everywhere kind of question. <laughs> but I'm here for that on a Friday morning as we record. So let's do it. And I think just for shits and giggles, let's start with Terry. I knew you'd say that. What? You two say who I'm like. Go on then. No, no, we want to hear oh. yours. <laughs> um, so none of these are that surprising. So for James, I've got David Brent. 
obviously. I wrote yeah. this down. Same. I wrote down exactly what yeah. I thought you'd pick. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, <laughs> you are so David Brent. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, Alan Partridge. <laughs> I wrote that down too. <laughs> obviously, because obviously. And also, Ross Geller. Ross Ooh. Geller. How am I? Yeah. I mean, Ooh, I was if, expecting if that. by Ross Geller you mean the secret <laughs> comedy weapon of the latter seasons of Friends, then yes, yes, I'm indeed. just thinking about the, you know, um, the shit um, keyboard playing while thinking he's a genius musician. <laughs> I'm thinking about the explaining of everything to everybody and sucking the fun out of it. Um, you know, those kind of things are, are where I saw the recognition, should we say. Wow. Would you agree, Boyd? Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, Ross, the annoying one from Friends, yeah. <laughs> Basically. I resent yeah. your characterization of Ross. Ross was quick. And um, I've just written one down for Boyd, Larry David. Oh, uh, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Boyd is Larry David. But, but like, Thanks. not that I was racking my brains and there is not one character that does justice to our warm, dry... Smart, <laughs> big-hearted Boyd Hilton, but the only, the only character I thought was a close approximation of part of Boyd's character is Larry David. Yeah, fair Would enough. Would you agree, yeah. Boyd? Yeah, maybe George in Seinfeld as well. But you don't. You probably. Yeah. yeah. Does that make no. me Mocha Joe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You wish you were fucking Mocha Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few for James. Yeah, I mean, obviously oh, yeah. Partridge and Brent were the main ones. Brent, particularly in in um, Free Love Freeway. Performing yeah. mode. We love obviously. on the freeway highway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're also a bit Gareth. You are a bit Gareth as well. Yeah, a bit Gareth. Yeah, a bit Gareth. Yeah. I've also got. No, I've safety. got you. Yeah, yeah. I've got Sheldon and Leonard from the Big Bang Theory. I don't know which one you are. You're one of I've them. I've had the Sheldon, Sheldon thing quite a few Sheldon. times. Sheldon. You are yeah. in my spot. It's true. Yeah. Um, obviously, comic book guy from The Simpsons. Yeah, big time. <laughs> um, Morris from the IT crowd, a bit. Um, Which one's Morris? Morris is obviously the nerdy, you know, Richard Ayoade's character. Oh, okay, Ayoade. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, he's very, he's, lo he's lovable, but you know, gigantic nerd with social, social issues. And finally, Cliff Clavin from uh, Cheers. <laughs> Cliff Clavin, fucking yeah. hell! <laughs> I don't get um, anything complimentary at all, do I? Well, you know, as for Terry, I've gone for um, Denise Royal. Yeah, um, baby David. Baby Davis, exactly, yeah. Then I've got a little bit of Roseanne, I think. So I'm going like classic sitcom characters. <laughs> what, Roseanne, Trumpy working Roseanne. class. Yeah. Well, who? The, the... <laughs> <laughs> okay, who we'll draw a line there. Who was that last one? Who was that last one? Roseanne and uh, who? No, I've forgotten. Yeah, I've forgotten. Oh, I can't yeah. remember. Does that mean you're too scared to read it out? <laughs> No, no. And, no. and the final one is, this is like, I imagine this is in your New York like existence, um, the good bits, like Adina or Patsy from Ab Fab. I imagine you kind of swanning around the city, you know, in cabs, stumbling out of cabs um, yeah. and just generally living that life. Yeah, yeah kind life. of. Th that, but, you kind know, of. just like by way of Ken Loach, yeah. yeah. Ab Fab yeah, by exactly. way of Ken Loach. Yeah. If Ken Loach yeah. did Ab Fab, then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, yes, I knew you would go with a uh, David Prent or Alan Partridge. I was kind of hoping for a Toby from the West Wing, but fine, whatever. So, okay, so my Terry 
And you know, Terry would clearly want me to say Buffy, but no, absolutely not. All the warrior nun, and no to that as well. Uh, for me, it's it, it absolutely Alma's nan from Alma's Not Normal. That is that is my my vision of you, Terry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or yes. failing that, the entire cast of Brassic, I think, probably works as well. You are so you are so like regionalist. <laughs> You're so Boyd. classist. Boyd, I would say, I'd, I'd probably pin down the uh, the pants sniffer from the Christmas episode of Gavin and Stacey. I'd say that's an uncanny resemblance, but. <laughs> Uh, but uh, otherwise, someone—I don't know—someone wise, someone kind of all-knowing. I don't. Maybe Lester Freeman from The Wire. Uh, maybe, maybe, oh, or wow. Father Vincent from Warrior Nun. Yes, you can be Father Vincent. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that's that. you, Fa- yeah. Father, Father Boyd Vincent. That's uh, that's Thanks. you. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's. Uh, I'm. I'm glad Tim T. We were able to uh, give you the opportunity to have Terry and Boyd insult me. That was uh, a lot of fun for me. So thank you very much. I hope we've answered your question. Uh, if you would like your question answered, then by all means, hurl it to us on social media. I am at James C. Dyer, and we'll be receptive to your questions there. Shall we move on to this week's news? And I'm going to start news by saying that one of our one of our listeners pointed something out to me, which is that Queeby has already launched in the UK. It is available in the UK and has been for some time. They just haven't told anyone. It's on the App Store. You can subscribe to it. You can get it now. As a British person, oh. you're not can yeah. you? Yeah, you can 100% get Queeby now. Like, sign up for the free trial. If you want to watch Rachel Brosnahan with a golden arm, you go for it. If you want to watch Anna Kendrick <laughs> talk to an animated sex doll, do that too. The world is your 10-minute oyster on your phone. Um, so, yeah, hmm. Queeby, Queeby is a thing. If people want Queeby, they can them? have Queeby. I mean, fuck no. But uh, <laughs> but we could if I we wanted to. I think we should. I think we should watch. I mean, they're, what, 15 minutes? I think we should watch one I mean, for next week. Sure. It's a surface. We should watch. So each of us should watch one Queeby show for next week. All mm-hmm. right. This seems like a decent piece of homework, right? We can each yep. pick a show on Queeby and watch it for next week. All right. Done. Okay. That is done. Also launched this week, you know, Peacock launched in the US this week, which is the latest in mm. the never-ending mm. cavalcade of streaming services. This, of course, being NBC Universal's streaming service, uh, which I think differentiates itself from a lot of them in that it has a free tier as well as a premium tier. So you can get some shit for free and then you can pay for other stuff, uh, which is interesting. They are, I think the free tier gives you new episodes of their current season a week after they air. Uh, and then I guess back catalog stuff and certain other things appear uh, otherwise. Battlestar Galactica is on Peacock. So if you are in America and you want Battlestar Galactica, you can get that on Peacock. Uh, Highlander the series, I think, is on Peacock as well. Um, but uh, yeah, lots of, it's, it's a random thing. I don't know how well this will do. I don't know whether we're just entering into a world where every single channel has its own subscription service. I mean, I don't mm. know how this works. It's all far too confusing. Talking of streaming services, you see the Netflix um there's two Netflix stories. One is that they got 10 million new subscribers in yeah. Q2. So it basically in the lockdown period. All for Warrior None. All for Warrior None, yeah. In fact, I reckon our review of Warrior None probably was nine, <laughs> nine and a half million of those. Yeah, that was most of those 10 yeah. million. <laughs> most of those. So they're basically still taking over the world. And um, Ted Sarandos, who is the kind of in charge of the content um, at the company, has been promoted to co-CEO alongside Reed Hastings. Um, so Ted Sarandos clearly his his because you know his model of just basically investing billions and billions of dollars in hundreds and hundreds of TV shows, some of them shit, some of them brilliant, has is clearly paying off because you know that it's just going up and up and up, and he's now leader of the world slash yeah. Netflix. Oh, I've met Ted Sarandos, yes, and I have to say, like 
it's quite extraordinary that he's one of the most powerful people in the world now. That's all I'll say. Hang on. See, you don't get to be like, oh, I'm Boyd Hilton. I met Ted Sarandos. <laughs> Ted Sarandos came to the Empire office yeah. to yeah. pitch Netflix to the editorial oh, yeah. team. And we I all mean, sat there on our phones, not listening. To be fair, he did that with us as well. Yeah. 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 Amazing scenes, isn't it? Yeah. It's just. Terry oh, was like, yeah. nah, I'm not interested. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> It'll never take off. Yeah. It's like that internet thing. It's a fad. Oh, God. Um, yeah, they do rule the world. Like, you see a lot of discussions on social media when people say, oh, what, uh, what is your favourite streaming channel? And it's always like, apart from Netflix, what is your favourite streaming yeah. channel? Because it's just, there's an assumption that everyone has Netflix, and then what else other than Netflix might you have? Because um, it is kind of ubiquitous. Did you see Hannah? Speaking of not Netflix, this is oh, Amazon. Yeah. Did you see Hannah got renewed for a third season? So that's, uh, that's yeah. exciting stuff. And Run, uh, Donald Gleeson and Merritt Weber's Run got cancelled. So that will not be returning. Apparently, they kind of <laughs> the official line was after exploring potential ways of continuing Ruby and Billy's journey together, we've come to the decision we will not be moving forward with a second season. So yeah, the, the funniest thing HBO. about the, the funniest thing about obviously it's, it's 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 sad for everyone involved that but it was the way it was reported in some quarters as being Phoebe Waller Bridge gets axed. You know, yeah. when <laughs> it was she she was the exec producer. She didn't write it. She starred in it like from halfway through in in a supporting role. Um, you know, one of her best friends, but she, it wasn't her show, you know, and to, to kind of frame it as Freebie Waller-Bridge suddenly has massive failure. Just could, <laughs> And by the way, it's kind of a self-contained story anyway. It could have, you know, it, doesn't, yeah, it, it yeah. didn't necessarily feel to me like a show that needed to carry on anyway, you know, despite- yeah, Which I know, suppose quite, is part of the reason why they decided not to. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. But to frame it as Freebie Waller-Bridge has failure is just unbelievable. Did you see this, uh, this story about Calm? Um, yes. which is coming to HBO Max. I'm still trying to get my head around this. So obviously there's the Calm app, right? Which I know, I think, James, have you used it at some point? Yeah, yeah, I've used them. I've used a few of them. Headspace, I think, is slightly better. Yeah, but they've obviously, so they've done a deal with HBO Max and it's and they, it, I think it's called A World of Calm. And what they're saying is, and I'm just going to read this because I've read it five times and I don't really know what it means. It combines mesmeric imagery with narration by A-list stars to bring relaxation to the audience. Um, so the names attached to this are absolutely fucking amazing and ridiculous. Keanu Reeves, Mahershala Ali, Nicole Kidman, Idris Elba, Zoe Kravitz, Lucy Liu, Killian Murphy. I mean, incredible array of, of characters. And I know, you know, um, Jeff um, Goldblum famously does that the um narration the sleep narration um my boyfriend's obsessed with it loves it but this is like a whole different thing and i'm just trying to get my head around i get the narration bit but what do you visually see on screen what's the visual stuff well like we, we, we were talking about this on the empire <laughs> yeah. podcast actually because chris listens to sleep stories he's yeah, got into that's this what i was talking about yes. yeah so he's having these narrated stories to send him off to sleep apparently his wife falls asleep instantly and chris is like no what happens next tell me tell me he gets really into the stories and he doesn't go to sleep but uh, one of the people doing this you'll find terry is nick offerman so presumably all he's oh. actually doing is <laughs> reading out the teleplay to devs just for yeah. you to send you to sleep so <laughs> i mean it'd work because they've just they've called it um you know uh, astounding footage and I'm like but what does mm. that look like and how is it 30 minutes what am I looking at for 30 minutes and why is <laughs> trees, that why, trees. Is, why is that on TV better than because I get an audio thing right because mm. the, the narration and the music but the visual aspect I just can't even begin to imagine 
what that would be. Birds and shit. I've been. I've never meditated. Perhaps can probably tell, in addition but... <laughs> to each of us watching some Queeby, Terry should be forced to meditate to Nick Hoffman <laughs> by next week's show. <laughs> Isn't your world oh of calm, God. law and order SVU anyway? Don't you fall asleep to that? Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, honestly, like I, yeah. I find, uh, I find formulate shows and um, yeah, those those procedurals are my version of this. Mm. They're my world listen- of calm. I have CNN on. I fall asleep to CNN. I have it on in the background. Yeah. I don't think that would stress me out too much. (laughs) Any other news? Um, Ava DuVernay, um, uh, you know, the brilliant um, director, has created an unscripted series for NBC called Home Sweet Home. Have you heard about this? In the 10-episode hour-long series, two families who lead very different lives go through a full immersion cultural experiment. Um, Basically, it's like kind of a life swap thing. So they, they challenge, it's supposed to challenge racial, religious, economic, geographic, gender, and identity assumptions as participants exchange homes for a week. Um, it's kind of, it's basically a reality TV show. Yeah. Um, invented by Eva DuVernay. But I'm, I'm here for it. I think it's fascinating. Because I think, you know, what those shows were, you know, think about Wife Swap, right? Which is, mm. uh, there was an American version of that. And obviously uh, the premise of those, the thing about the premise of Big Brother and, and all of these things originally were really social and human experiments and, and properly analysing how we're socialised, um, what aspects of your life um, define who you are and, and all those actually really interesting kind of anthropological things. And you just think in the hands of somebody like Ava DuVernay, it could actually kind of be true to those original intents yeah. and aims and ambitions. I think this could be absolutely fascinating and completely actually make people um, reassess that genre, including James Dyer. <laughs> Let's hope what so, yeah. Know? I mean, uh, in genres that I'm perhaps slightly more (laughs) likely to enjoy, uh, Star Wars The Bad Batch has been announced. It's coming to Disney Plus next year. For those of you like Terry, who are massive fans of the animated Clone Wars series, uh, you will know The Bad Batch as a group (laughs) of special ability clones who became kind of fan favourites in that. But yeah, they've greenlit this series. Dave Filoni's going to be overseeing it. The Bad Batch will be with you at some point in 2021. Terry, aren't you excited? I mean, I have to say, the Bad Batch sounds right up my street, but the rest of it, not so much. <laughs> there was, uh, speaking of things that are up your street, did you see the trailer for Star Trek Lower Decks? Didn't we talk about this, like, last week or <laughs> I don't something? Think we saw, no, not the trailer. I hadn't seen the trailer last week. I have seen the trailer. I think we talked about when it was going to wear. But uh, I, I watched the trailer, and honestly, and I know I'm going to alienate an awful lot of listeners when I say it has the whiff of Rick and Morty about it, uh, and and I'm, I'm, I, I strongly suspect I'm not going to enjoy it. Um, which pains That's me. That's a huge compliment for a lot of that. A lot of I know. Um, people will be going, yes, Rick and yeah. Morty meet Star Trek. This is the greatest thing ever. I, I just, no. 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 Is it supposed to be funny? It's like, a, so it's a, yes. an animated... Oh, yes, okay. which is partly my problem because Star Trek, as you know, is no laughing matter. No. So, uh, and they're trying no. to make it humorous and I disapprove. Wow. But, you know, we're, we're, we will, we will, I will withhold judgment until we review that one. Uh, another trailer that came out this week was one for Snowpiercer Season 2, the Snowpiercer finale aired. Uh, I don't know if either of you kind of kept on to the end of that. Um, I watched more when I reviewed it, but uh, I enjoyed Snowpiercer a lot. Um, what I found really funny is that the, the voice of Mr. Wolford all the way through was abundantly clearly Sean Bean, although I guess, I don't think he, I don't believe he was in the credits. I could be wrong, but they certainly never talked about the fact that Sean Bean was in it, but it was obviously Sean Bean's voice. And this trailer, which aired after the finale, this trailer for season two, finally gives you the big reveal that it is Sean Bean, and Sean Bean's going to be in season two. So very excited and here for that. Mr. Wolford in the flesh. 
So that's good stuff. I also have a new appreciation for David Diggs now, now that I am a Hamill mm. stan. <laughs> he's incredible. He is. He's amazing. Love Massive him. talent. Uh, Terry, are you not going to immediately seize on the Nine Perfect Strangers news? What's the Nine Perfect Strangers news, James? Samara Weaving has joined Nicole Kidman in that uh, the Hulu miniseries. This is obviously based on Leanne Moriarty's newest newest novel, Nine Perfect Strangers, uh, and it's, at a, it's take, the one that takes place at that sort of uh, health and wellness like Paltrow-esque goop resort uh, mm. that does all healing and transformation and vaginal eggs and whatnot. Uh, and uh, stuff happens. So that's great. Samara so Weaving, of course, uh, was very good. She was in Ready or Not uh, last year, which I enjoyed an awful lot. She had three billboards as well. Uh, Guns Akimbo, which I actually haven't seen, but she's supposed to be good in that too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. She, I think she's in, she's in the new Bill and Ted film as well. But she was, yeah, she's particularly good in Ready or Not, which was a horror film I don't think enough people saw. But uh, yeah, so that's another bit. Yeah, she, but that's, that's the show that has Terry White written all over it. it isn't it from the same team that did Big Little Lies as well? Yeah. Is, yeah, same creative team, yeah. Mm. No, I'm incredibly excited about that. The Sundance Now channel in America has has bought the rights to um, Dez. About this, Dez is an ITV drama, which will be coming, I think, this autumn quite soon. I, I feel like this is the series that Terry's going to be most excited about in the season because it stars David Tennant as serial killer Dennis Nielsen. Um, and I mean, what more could you want? Tennant, Nielsen, serial killing, true crime drama, um, it's going to be amazing. I went on set actually, and um, and it lo- it's going to be incredible. I think sounds very Terry. It's like a fever dream. It's like I made it up. It's like I drew <laughs> yeah. it in my little book of dreams while listening to Nick Offerman send you to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, Kelly Marie Tran, I think, is joining. Uh, Hulu's doing oh, yeah. an anthology series called Monsterland. So Kelly Marie Tran, who uh, obviously played Rose Tycho in the Star Wars sequels, she's. Uh, She's going to be in that. Uh, I don't know what her particular story is. The episode is called Iron River, Missouri, uh, and she's playing someone called Lauren. So there you go. She was in one of the Star Wars films, and she wasn't really in two. In, two uh, of the Star Wars. Films. She was in the Last in Jedi the, and Rise of Skywalker. I know, yes. barely in that. She in didn't that last have a lot one. to do in Rise of Skywalker. No. It can be sidelined. Said. It can be said. Yes, she was a little sidelined. Right. Shall we move on now to this week's reviews? And first up, we have at long last. Cursed. This is Netflix's spin on the Arthurian legend in which Catherine Langford plays Nimue, aka the Lady of the Lake, a persecuted fae who takes up Excalibur and uses it to take on Peter Mullen, because basically that's what you do. Um, this dropped on Netflix last week and features Vikings Floki as a drunk Merlin. Uh, it has a rain of blood and more than its fair share of CGI wolves. But, Terry, is this Arthurian legend? L- like a lot or Galabad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that didn't work at all. But uh, it's, do you know what? It is basically somewhere in between, I think. I went through quite a lot of emotions watching this. I watched the first episode. Um, I believe, James, you probably watched many in the middle of the night. And this is <laughs> this is very James Diary in many respects. Um, but it's also quite Terry White in many respects because it is a retelling of the author theory author whatever that fucking word is legend Arthurian but as you say it's um uh at the heart of the story is the lady in the lake a sorceress and this is we should say one of two witchy programs um we are reviewing this week um and she's played by Catherine Langford and essentially it's about her joining forces with Arthur who's a mercenary on a mission to save her people but in the first episodes it's very much kind of setting up this um, resistance she has to what is essentially going to be her destiny. Now, it's from the YA novel, obviously, by Frank Miller and Tom Wheeler. um, And it's 
starts with that classic, I suppose, witchy trope, which is witches outsider, which is kind of this huge threat to men. Um, we'll see something very different with Motherland of Fort Salem, which we'll be talking about in a minute. Um, and this show obviously tries to subvert lots of things. It's a bit, she's a little bit carry in some respects. Um, and one of my, I suppose, issues with this is... I found her in the first episode quite hard to root for. Um, you know, she has this dysfunctional relationship with her mum. She d- feels cursed. Um, she's a bit like sulky and petulant. Um, and she kind of gets herself into bothered by just being a bit of a, uh, what's the word? She's just a bit, she can be a bit annoying. So you're Bell and Tess, James. I don't know how that stacks up, <laughs> up here. Um but I found it really hard to root for her at first. She was just a bit annoying and a bit privileged and a bit like irritating. I have to say, there was part halfway through where I actually became really engaged. There's one kind of big scene, which I don't want to ruin, but it suddenly takes quite a dramatic twist. And there's a lot of jeopardy suddenly introduced. Um, there's kind of um, in a, quite a well choreographed big scene. And I started to actually really root for her. And it is quite out there, I have to say. So there is like talking deer. There's like CG wolves. She's like flirting and play fighting with Arthur and then like nuts him. Like she's literally in a northern pub, um, which shocked me. There's like animation as kind of scene breakers um to transition from one bit of storytelling to the next which i wasn't kind of expecting um you know it's not it's not the most delicate of shows would i say because you know there's 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 a lot of exposition at the beginning and it isn't done with delicacy you know there's a opening scene where it's established like she's kind of seen as a threat she gets into a confrontation um with these two lads and one of them kind of makes a dig about her dad leaving her and it immediately flashes to this really graphic flashback which literally shows her dad leaving like they both show and tell and then show and tell you some more um so but i have to shout out as well because i think she's an incredible actor so um playing pim who's her very loyal friend is lily newmark now lily newmark was in pin cushion which i don't know if anyone saw but it was an incredible um british indie film out a couple of years ago and i think she's a really incredible talent she's got really strange kind of charisma and charm um and i i actually found her super compelling but like let's just be clear about something which is this is ridiculous i mean it is absolutely (laughs) like unbridled ridiculousness a lot of things don't make sense um there's a lot of ridiculous cg used in ridiculous ways um and you know that's not all of it makes a huge amount of self and it's weirdly graphic in places like it suddenly gets really bloody there's like quite graphic violence happening um so even though it's kind of set on this ya novel it doesn't necessarily feel like a ya property it is like there were bits that kind of really shock you or take you by surprise um so you know if this is your kind of thing james then um i'm sure you could have a lot of fun with this um if you didn't take it entirely seriously i think it's fair to say and yet as you say this is the most james series and yet i gotta admit i didn't really like it oh my god yeah it's just it's so it's not 
the most it this is it's it's a difficult sell like i think this this screenplay required perhaps more subtlety than it has yeah, like it it's, it's <laughs> very very unsubtle and it's extraordinarily on the nose and it, i struggled with that a little bit like it didn't have like look warrior nun is ridiculous but there's something about the confidence with which it carries it off whereas this never really demonstrates that same confidence and i always felt like it was almost slightly embarrassed to be what it was at times and um and I never really bought into it. I watched the first two of these. Now, I have read that it picks up the pace after that and it improves as it goes along. So it may well be that if I had stuck with it, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. But yeah, I just I just couldn't get on with it. And that scene, funnily enough, where you said, oh, you really like the choreography, I, I felt quite differently. Like there is a scene where there is a kind of, there's an attack on a village and they do, I don't know if it's all one, a sing, I don't know if it's a one or I don't know if it's a single no, shot, but they do have quite long takes. And it's handheld, isn't it? So It's handheld. And, yeah. and again, like, and I understand the logistics of this. This sort of thing is incredibly different to choreograph well but it does feel a lot like you know like in the playground when you're playing keep away games it had a touch of that about it and look people just for fumbling trying to grab her and her ducking past them and going to the next person who again just does a sort of a comedy missed grab and you're just like oh not really feeling the jeopardy here but i did like the fact you suddenly because up until then i just was there was no kind of dramatic propulsion it was all kind of meandering <laughs> in many respects yeah and then mm. it's i mean the pace change was like Whoa! Like, it's quite nasty as well as people being thrown on bonfires and stuff. Like, as you say, it's not, it doesn't feel like, oh, this is a nice kids' show. It really isn't. It's quite unpleasant. Um, and you know, there's interesting stuff going on, but it, again, it's like she gets a bit bullied and then she summons nature to save her in a very kind of like almost parody of a kind of a playground bully scene. Um, I just, it lacked finesse, I think, for me, and I couldn't quite buy into it. And I really wanted to, like, I had a lot of goodwill going into this, and I just couldn't quite love it. I don't think it's terrible, but it just didn't, something just didn't strike a chord with me in the way that, for example, Warrior Nun did. But again, as I said, I've read some of the other reviews, and they do say it, it after a couple of slow episodes, it does pick up the pace as it goes. Vikings turn up, which is always a good thing. You know, and I've got a lot of time for for Gustav Skarsgård, who plays Merlin. Uh, he's, uh, he's fun in this. It's just a sort of drunken loosh Merlin the magician and Devon Terrell I think yeah again as Arthur he's quite earnest but you know yeah. he's, he's fun Nimue uh, I agree with you she's quite I don't, I don't think I'd call her unlikable I don't know if she necessarily fails the bell end test but you don't warm to her because she no. does come across as quite entitled and a bit irritating but you know again she probably grows on you over time boy is this, i mean did, i would say is this your kind of show all shows of course boy are your kind of show yeah but did this did this do it for you well i'm a big fan of you know merlin the tv series mm. remember bbc one's merlin yeah, which is the, kind of like the Arthurian smallville yeah the uh, right and it was like in the doctor who slot and i quite I, I quite like that show it was fun it was kind of had quite a kind of almost comical tone to it sometimes um you know, Excalibur is one of my favourite films, the classic film mm. with uh, Helen Mirren. But I, I just like, what's the point of this? I just didn't get the point of it. I felt like they hadn't really. They were like, well, let's do let's do this classic story from the point of view of a woman, which is from the Lady of the Lake, basically. You know, it's an origin story, mm. isn't it? Effectively, yeah. Um, but apart from that idea, which is fine, that's a good, de perfectly decent idea. I didn't get what tone they were going for. As you say, it's like it's YA. It starts off with a lot of teenage and fat kids you know frolicking around in the woods to no great purpose um with like cgi dragonflies and it's all very pretty and a bit kind of bland and then suddenly as you say it gets violent and then suddenly like it gets a bit sexy and it's just all over the place and i just i don't mind things being all over the place but 
what's what's it getting at? What's the point of it? I just did not get the point of this whole show. I, I just didn't. It didn't excite me. I thought it. Was, I thought the dialogue was terrible. Mostly, <laughs> absolutely terrible. Just banal. Very little. The attempts at humour were like cute and 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 you know embarrassing. Really. Um, so I just feel like I just don't feel it's driven by any great attempt to be anything to be funny or to be exciting or to be scary or whatever it just has no yeah i just felt like it's meandered all over the place and as you got to the big the set piece action scene which was perfectly well done and everything but the cgi wolves i mean they were terrible uh, and yet yeah. some of the cgi was fine there's a cgi bear in episode two well excellent um i just thought i just think yeah it's just pointless for me and i will not be what i will going not be watching on with those episodes. weird animated wipe transitions <laughs> Well, right. I mean, yeah. I guess it was a you know an interesting visual flourish, but yeah, I think James has hit the nail on the head, right? Which is, it's when you watch something like Warrior Nun, it's so balls out and it's so yeah. confident in its in all the various tones it takes, and it's not embarrassed at all about what it's doing, and it's fun, right? So Warrior Nun is like yeah. the most fun I've had in fucking ages in this year of doom, <laughs> and and this didn't feel fun it took itself weirdly seriously but was also then yeah quite meek in places um and when it does finally i know what you're saying james about that set piece but then i was like oh at least something like you know they're going at something and there's loads of stuff happening there's you know people being put on crosses and set fire to and suddenly you're like whoa um because actually something was happening something like this sorry like it's like a northern wedding i'm loving it <laughs> no but at least you're like okay now we're getting a bit of action and it and it suddenly but yeah, yeah i mean you know there's there's quite there is quite a lot of violence there's a lot of bloodshed the final scene is just like is is really basically like a graphic novel um and yeah, but it's when it kind of at least went for it, I was like, okay, I can get into this. This this kind of works for me. But I struggled with it up until up until that point. Drunk Merlin, I'm here for though. <laughs> Drunk Merlin, yeah. I enjoyed yeah, he, Drunk Merlin. Was great. I enjoyed Merlin. He was great. And and Peter Mullen is the as the as the evil one who's riding along with the red people in red. Uh, what are they called the uh, oh, yeah. um, the red paladins. Yeah, red paladins. I mean, I want more of Peter Mullen. Peter Mullen's, you know, the cast is great, but I didn't feel like I didn't know something about the whether it been. I didn't feel like the leads were that interesting and or even that good, frankly. So you know, I didn't feel like they were really coming up with the good. So the kind of supporting characters were fine. But you're right, it's not fun. It's not fun. It's got to be fun, isn't it? This kind of show, above, yeah. above and beyond anything. Got to bring the fun. fun. Got to bring the fun. Right, that is Curse, and Curse is available now on Netflix as it dropped last week. Next up this week, we have A Suitable Boy, which takes us to 1951 post-partition India and tells the story of free-spirited Lata, played by Tanya Manikthala, uh, a university student whose family are intent on finding her the husband of the title. Except she has other ideas. This is adapted by House of Cards' Andrew Davis from Vikram Seth's novel of the same name, a book I should point out that at nearly 600 thousand words and 1500 pages is one of the longest novels ever written in the english language now we just need someone to tell us whether this series feels similarly endless in short we need a suitable boyd <laughs> well believe it or not i tried to read a suitable boy when it came out um in i think it was in the 90s wasn't it in 1993 1349 pages um i didn't get very far i have to say i found it quite quite tedious um and rumor has it that some people find the tv version quite tedious as well um 
It's in, so this is controversial. To say first of all, it, this has been um, it's been quite a long time in the making. It's directed by Mira Nair, but it's written by Andrew Davis, as you said. And I have seen a lot of people on uh, social media saying that it's a bit much for a uh, an old white guy um, to write this story. And um, I think that's an interesting point of view. But um, without even getting into that, I don't. Th- Andrew Davis is a legend. You know, he's, he you know he's written he wrote brilliant Virgin Pride and Prejudice. He wrote some incredible shows and I think um, he's absolutely brilliant writer and brilliant and, and a kind of genius adapter his series a very peculiar practice which is he invented is one of my favorite shows of all time so I'm not going to diss Andrew Davis particularly and his skills but I don't feel this is one of his most successful adaptations it, they've kind of condensed this huge epic story into it's it's only six parts I believe and it does feel like they're kind of it's weird the situation where they're kind of rushing through this story of this um, young Indian woman in in the early 50s in India um, who her mother wants to find a husband for her, the suitable boy she's getting like ends up having three candidates and it's kind of you're introduced to those various candidates and they're they're, they're quite interesting characters they're all very well played but it's oddly even though it's kind of condensing the story the, the the pace of it did feel quite slow so it's got this weird situation where it's rushing through the story and yet it's not, it doesn't feel pacey it doesn't feel urgent um i and for the first half of the first episode it is quite dull i felt you know it's quite even though and i didn't feel like i didn't feel visually it was that exciting it's got a fairly standard you know kind of period drama feel to it it's not particularly well excitingly directed it's not particularly visually amazing considering you know it's got it it's presumably invested a lot of money in recreating early 50s india calcutta etc these various places it takes place it doesn't feel like it's really got any kind of particularly visual um style to it or 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 um or particularly interesting way of showing cutting between scenes etc and yeah actually in the second half of it of the first episode i did slightly get on board and particularly with the side story so the main story about the main character and finding her uh her meeting these various guys at university and her mother worrying about, is she, are they going to find a suitable boy for her? I found this, the side story, which is about a character called Marn, um, who is played by uh, Ishan Kater. And he is he becomes bewitched by this woman who sings um, traditional songs, who's played by Taboo, kind of the legendary um, Indian actress. And I found that story very interesting and romantic and compelling and I think he's brilliant by the way I think he's the star of the show Ishan Kata is this kind of weirdly childlike quite kind of selfish she pushes a politician into a, into a fountain at one point in the first episode to show what a kind of um, you know kind of free spirit and the annoying little tyke he is but I thought he's so um, kind of interesting and uh, such a kind of compelling charismatic performer that it kind of took me through the second half of the first episode. So I actually ended up liking it more, I think, than I thought I was going to when I was sitting through the slightly dull first half of the episode. So I think it's okay, and I might carry on watching it. I mean, okay is not great, is it, for a big (laughs) set-piece drama that's years in the making, you know, with a huge cast of characters, etc., adapted from a huge epic, much-loved novel. But I'm not going to say much beyond the fact that I did quite like it and will probably try and carry on watching it. I... Yeah, I I kind of agree with the first half of what Boyd said. So I think, it, <laughs> but I think it's and I oh, I hate being I hate being critical because I think you know, well I don't hate being critical. It's our jobs, but I hate kind of you know um, going in on something for for just being kind of okay. But that's kind of the only way I can think to describe it. It's so gentle and um, 
I don't want to use the word twee, but it's the only word I can kind of, it's very nice and it's, you know, it looks good and it's, um, it's really pleasant and none of those are bad things. But I found it weirdly hard to follow because as Boyd says, they're covering a lot of ground with these character stories in, you know, an hour long piece of television. But I found exactly the same thing, which weirdly it it felt really slow. I was convinced afterwards actually that it was not that I'd watched ninety minutes, um, and it did. It felt very long, and I found there was no real pace or or rhythm to it that I could get along with. Um, and I just think with with TV where it is, I can't even imagine. I should just say how difficult it was to adapt this book, um, which I think I've tried to read twice and never managed it. And it is, you know, as you say, one of the longest novels in the English language. That is a massive undertaking. I can't even imagine. And I think from what I can tell, they've tried to do it faithfully and respectfully and with love. And and there's a nice kind of intimacy to it. But um, as a piece of TV drama, I just wasn't captured by it, even though I think a great deal of skill and craft and love has clearly gone into this. Yeah, all of those things. I just, I just, I was so bored. I think was the problem. Like, I really struggled to be engaged by it. I just, I couldn't access it in any level. Like, it, it, it is. It's, it feels like sort of a gentle riverboat ride. Like, it's the, it's the, it's a small world of TV shows. Like, I was just sitting in the boat, just like as it went along, and I was kind of looking at my watch, wondering what the queue on Space Mountain was going to be like. And it just, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get on with it. Like, as you say, it looks. It's lovely. It's very, very nice. It's an interesting period of time to explore. I, I just found it quite hard to be invested in these sort of like um, arranged marriage scenarios and random sort of like men coming in and out. And I, just, I didn't care and it didn't engage me. And it just felt a little bit like, because it's not a short episode. It's like it's an hour long. So you feel those extra 15 minutes. And I remember looking at the time halfway through and say, like, how has it only been 20 minutes? But you know, that could, it could just be me. For, I mean, maybe it's just there were too few warrior nuns in this for my liking, <laughs> and therefore I just couldn't get on with it. But, uh, you know, I, I can't criticise the performances and I can't criticise the productions. I have no sort of, like, solid reasons why it's bad or anything. I just... It just didn't seize me at all. Uh, so I will not be pushing on with this. I don't think it is just you. I think when you compare it to... Because previously, Andrew Davis did War and Peace. I mean, I think... And I think that's probably why he ended up, ended up doing doing this. Because he can turn a epic, yeah. you know, thousand-page novel with huge, long, philosophical asides, blah, 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 into compelling drama. War and Peace, I don't know if you remember, that, that was a really bold kind of um, thrilling thrilling um show so i remember that first episode really bowled me over and and, and i felt this there's a timidity to this and i can't work out whether yeah. it's intrinsic to the story um or just to as you say it's nice it was nice um and I, I, i'm avoiding the word tweet as well but i think i would use the word timid in terms of yeah. just the whole approach to it that's it was nothing surprising about this to, to me at all. When you know the story and how it plays out, it's like, oh, okay, that's going to tell the story in this way, and that's and that's that, and that's fine. But I feel like it could have been much bolder somehow in the execution of it, and it isn't bold. Well, a suitable boy begins on BBC One on Sunday, the twenty sixth of July at nine pm. 
And finally this week, we have Fort Salem, or Motherland, colon Fort Salem, as it was known when it aired in the US earlier this year. This is an alternate history show and follows three witches as they enlist in the magic core of the US Army. So this is set in a version of the US in which the persecution of witches ended 300 years ago in something known as the Salem Accords. Witches are now conscripted into the army and use their magic to smite America's enemies including a terrorist organization known as the Spree, who kill people with balloons. Now, <laughs> this witchy world is one in which magic has smashed the patriarchy quite soundly, so who better to talk about it than our own resident Wiccan, Terry White. Terry, would you toss a coin to these witches? <laughs> oh, God. So... Amazing. I would toss a coin, but nothing else, and we'll, we might get into uh, what we might be tossing later. Um <laughs> <laughs> in, in my most unsubtle transition, wow. yeah. Oh, so, God. <laughs> so, you know, this is kind of the opposite of um, what we talked about earlier with Curse. So, you know, this is subversive in the sense of, of witches are no longer this threat specifically to man, but they are, you know, um, the people who protect us and save us. Um, there's a brilliant scene in an airport where a man gives up his his uh, ticket on a fully booked booked plane to um this the witch who's going to enlist essentially and they're viewed much like you know the troops are in america today so for me this is and i was writing notes while i was watching it and it is you know i'm going to start off with charmed which is the least surprising thing i'm going to say um it centers on these three um new recruits in particular but then it has all the amazing tropes of kind of new recruit kind of war films so there's touches of you know an officer and a gentleman and a bit of Hamburger Hill and meets Charmed, <laughs> uh, meets Private Benjamin. Like, it's a mashup of so many brilliant things. So it has these kind of witchy tropes, but then it also has these amazing, like, war film tropes. You know, there's the kind of rebellious one. Um, and they are three, let's be honest about these three kind of witches that it focuses on um, when they go up to enlist in the army. One's kind of sweet. One's quite tough and a bit snobby. One's the rebel of the of the group, um, and it's very much about their kind of relationship as a trio. Um, but also then this wider society picture, where as you say, this is a world essentially run by women. Um, so it opens with actually like I have to say I thought the opening scene is amazing, and it's essentially showing a terrorist attack by this the spree. It is so like I I, th I think I texted you at the time, James. Like I was like ten seconds in, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is great!" It was really, <laughs> really well done. Um, and the world, I think the world that they've created is really credible. You really believe it. It's really rich. You kind of understand how this setup could have come to be about. Um, and then it does run through these kind of new recruit tropes. So you know, you've got the green new recruits, the clashes with authority, the fights with other girls. Um, so I was kind of all in for this. And we should say this is is created by writer Elliot Lawrence and, and it has a quite a large team of exec producers. Somebody pointed out that five out of the six exec producers are in fact men. Um, so what began for me as a kind of a feminist fairy tale in many respects, a feminist alternate history in much the same way as the power, there were um, reminiscences for me of the power, the book, um, yeah. which was, you know, a world in which women have the power, physical power, which I think is a really interesting 
take and you know things like their voices are their weapons i mean it's not particularly subtle but it's it's you understand what this is meant to represent but then there's and i I don't want to give a spoiler away but what i will say is there is a a suddenly flips to being massively male gaze and there is a kind of surprising sex scene which felt really unrealistic to me did i mean i'm talking about a world i think in which, you can you know, say i think you okay. can say what this is all right there is a there is a girl on girl sex scene which i kind of was like hang on what's going on how did this become which lesbian porn i don't understand what's happening and it it, it felt to me like um a sex scene between women drawn by a straight man that's what it felt like to me so it suddenly becomes massively overly sexualized you have like a a quite a graphic not in terms of what you see but it's quite graphic in terms of um the the sex um sex scene between these two girls and Someone's getting fingered like, up against the wall. Is essentially what it's like. Basically, yeah, okay, right. So somebody's getting fingered up against the wall, and I'm like, you know, and it, and I was suddenly kind of like, whoa, what is happening? And something which I felt started off as kind of, you know, this feminist imagining of a world suddenly felt like a men's imagining of what a feminist world looks like. Because you know, in a feminist world, presumably all the girls just finger each other because that's what girls do when you know they're in power. So. I love the fact that we we beat around the bush, so to speak, about this for a few minutes, and then now we're full on. I know. So look, so I watched. So here's the weird thing: is I watched the first episode. I was like fully into it, so excited, texting James, being like, "Ah, look at this! This is amazing!" And then I, yeah, I kind of stumbled upon that because suddenly I was like, "Oh, this just feels like." A bit of, to be honest, masturbation fodder for for men. That's what it suddenly felt like. It's like wank. Oh, this is the wank bank bit, and so that kind of annoyed me. But then I'm kind of want to keep watching it. Uh, so I'm I'm I have mixed feelings, um, and I'm not saying women can't have sex with each other on screen, or we shouldn't be showing same sex actual sex i think you know that's really 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 important that we show sex between two women the same way as we'd be willing to show sex between a man and a woman that is absolutely what tv should be doing those barriers are often still there and people other people filmmakers are doing interesting things around that but i don't feel like this version of sex between two women is realistic i didn't feel it served the narrative really either um which you know fundamentally what is that sex there to show? It's not enough just to drop a load of fingering in. It has to have a narrative reason. Um, That's an executive note. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna. If I was making a note, I'd say what is the what is the narrative reason for that fingering up against that wall? Because otherwise, what the fuck? So. So yeah. So I was mixed on it because this is in so many ways right up my street. Um, but that made me stumble upon it and made me go, well, actually, is this really a, a the feminist fairy tale I started off thinking it was? I think the idea, honestly, is genius. Witches who basically are the army, because instead of burning them all at the stake, they decided to like use them to protect the country. I think that idea, I'm like, holy shit, why has nobody thought of this before? This is genius. Um, but I didn't need the, the fingering. Thank you. It's warrior witches is what it is. Um, yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> the the publicity shots for this show look like a Maxim cover shoot. It's quite extraordinary. So I think the male gaze point you make is, is a very solid one. It has a hell of a beginning, this has. Yeah. Uh, like the opening sequence of this pulls no punches. Like it's really full on. And I think, weirdly, that really got my attention. So, like, oh, okay, this is serious. This is one of those mm. shows. Um, so I enjoyed that. I, I was quite on board for this. You know, weirdly, I <laughs> right up until the fingering bit, which is incredibly badly done. But the actual concept of it this kind of like uh you know uh harry potter goes to military academy um it's uh it's it's quite fun and you know the the infighting and the fact that one of the witches because they're, they're in these sort of groups they're in a squad and their squad is made out of one whose mother was killed in service another one whose whole family yeah. comes from a long line of very privileged witches and then someone who volunteered to sign up even though she didn't have to uh, still so come from these different backgrounds and then you've got this terrorist idea as well you've got this slightly murky sort of authority structure within the sort of witch army and how this sort of army is almost a law unto itself outside the chain of command of, of you know the president and everyone else it's, it's quite an interesting world and, I, and I, I was there for the characters I was there for the world and I just got quite drawn into it this was a real kind of guilty pleasure for me like is this a good show no no it isn't however <laughs> however I think there's lots of fun to be had here I watched two of these and I could quite happily have watched two more uh, it's just quite compelling I want to see where it goes I want to see what happens in this world I want there's a a, a mystery plot line through this that where there is a, mm-hmm. a person who isn't quite what they seem shall we say in this show and I wanted to see how that un- unfolded so am I going to watch more of these yes I am am I going to watch all of them it's very likely <laughs> why am I asking questions of myself I don't know but, uh, <laughs> because you are Alan Partridge <laughs> Yes, you are, as we already established. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, fingering aside, there's actually quite a lot to recommend Fort Salem. So, uh, yeah, I'm here for it. Boyd, how did you find it? Was it right up your alley, so to speak? It was one of those shows where the opening, as we've all said, this opening scene with these people throwing themselves off, you know, the balcony in, the, in, in this in this place Not is people, so powerful. men. Men, yeah, men, in de- indeed. It's so powerful and brilliantly done um, and so striking both vi- the whole idea of it visually brilliantly directed that I felt it was so downhill after that you know in terms of just I felt it, it, it immediately it, that was so brilliant and bold and then kind of obviously it has to build the world so it has to explain quite a lot about this world and it is a really interesting concept um and so but I, I almost felt it kind of the brilliance of the opening was almost ended up ended up ruining it in a way because it just didn't live up to that for me. And funnily enough, it was quite I felt it found I found the characters and the performances quite bland until of course the fingering. <laughs> so you then got you then fingering arrives, so to speak, which at least is 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 kind of you're not expecting it. At least you know, and it's like, oh okay, it's gone down this route. I think it's f- very interesting, as we say, this is written and directed by men but i do notice that from episode three onwards female directors seem to be have taken over and i wonder whether at some point the exec you know some of these many many exec producers went hold on you know we've got we've got same sex um scenes here between women and we have to get women involved because it is it, it just it just it just feels wrong as we say as you say that this is all being rather lasciviously and I, I would say badly directed by the way you know that 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 scene it's just clumsy isn't it and kind of it's just it just not just doesn't work really so you know maybe it, it picks up once and, and maybe that you know it, it kind of we're going to be relieved that a woman is directing these scenes from episode three onwards and it might they might not be as, as uh, ridiculously clunky as they are it is a really great idea um i didn't feel like it was an amazing first episode apart from that brilliant beginning and the kind of where it ends up in the end but 
I probably will carry on watching it as well. I'll, I'll give it a chance. Yeah, I've read a little bit about what comes up as well, and, it, and apparently there are some really interesting. You know, there's a whole episode where the male um, witches come mm-hmm. in. I don't know if you've read about that, and I'm looking for that's apparently is quite extraordinary. So um, I'm going to carry on watching it. I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah. I'm going to watch all of it, all of it, all <laughs> watch of it, the over shit and over out again. Uh, yeah, I want to see where the fingering goes yeah. next. I mean, it's an essential plot development. Uh, but uh, the the thing with this, I also quite like the idea of the magic thing, the fact that all of their magic comes from essentially making noises like singing mm. it's all sort of like auditory yeah. based i thought that was quite a fun thing that i would not seen before as well so those giant tuning fork yeah. things are quite quite yeah. clever aren't they in that yeah. scene yeah, yeah. there's some really it, interesting ideas yeah. but it gives it a weird there is i was like checking the volume on my telly because the way that they kind of um execute what happens with their voices and show that and it's quite trippy and i have to say the sc- i thought the score was really good it really kind of yeah the score was yeah, brilliant. yeah. i thought the score was fantastic um you know and it, it, it's interesting but it's not it's not the most subtle metaphor in the world is it you know women's power comes from using their voices i mean you know it it it, it very <laughs> aptly communicates what they the, what they're trying to say but i do wonder if some of that lack of nuance i suppose that we see in episode one is because the the lack of of actual women's voices being involved um yeah. i don't know maybe Perhaps. what do they know but anyway, this is the new Warrior Nun, and it's uh, it drops on BBC Three on Sunday, July the twenty sixth. That is Fort Salem. Anything else out this week? In fact, I know there are other things out this week, Boyd. So why don't you just tell us what they are? Oh yeah, so the last wave is um, which starts on Saturday on BBC Four. I um, mean that you know Saturday night um, uh, import drama slot so is a French. Um, supernatural drama that I've watched the first episode of. I, I think we, we, you'd all really like it actually it's basically it's got this high concept that in there's a surfing competition this kind of surfing hero comes back to this town in France and a huge cloud arrives and then that then there's a massive um, tidal wave basically that and all the surfers are wiped out seemingly then about five hours later they resurface but they all suddenly have weird supernatural powers and strange things have happened so it's kind of it's quite a high concept thing but it's really interesting and, and and well done i think so that's the last wave on bbc4 on saturday what else is there james uh, what else is there what else is there did you mention it in the long run oh yeah sorry it's in the long run um which is back for a third series the um sky one show Based, loosely based on Idris Elba's own upbringing in, in the 80s on a kind of London estate. In fact, Leytonstone, I think, estate in East London, which is quite near where I grew up as well. And I really like In the Long Run. I think it's a really kind of celebratory... Um, it doesn't pull its punches about the racism that this family faced in, in, in um, the 80s, but equally, it's very celebratory um, and it's kind of... And it's got a really kind of nice tone to it and authentic. I think it feels really authentic. So um, I'm a fan of that show. And that's back on Thursday on Sky One at 10 o'clock. Oh, the young offenders, which you mentioned last week, yeah. James, which 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 um, Terry and I really like, but it's a comedy, yeah. so you I do guys, not enjoy it at that's all. That's showing on B. That's airing on BBC One on Friday at nine thirty, which is quite an incredible slot for that show to suddenly kind of go from being like a BBC Three iPlayer only show to BBC One prime time is quite exciting, I think. And that's also on iPlayer, as you said, as you mentioned last week. That might be about it. That is it for this week's excitement. What's your pick <laughs> of the week, Terry? Fort Salem. Yeah, same here. <laughs> yes. Yes. Same. Warrior witches for the win. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, let's jump in now to the Banshee segment where we resurrect an old show uh, and recommend it for the listeners. Who would like to begin this week? I will. Does it involve witches? If not, I should be very disappointed. <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. Um, but it is 
rather unrelentingly grim. So I would like to recommend, um, I'd like to recommend Broken, which was from 2017, um, the British incredible Jimmy McGovern series. Um, it did unfortunately only run to one series. There was hope that it would be a second, but it, it never got um, commissioned for a second series. Um, so this is essentially about a priest serving his community in the northwest of England. It's really kind of um, about religion and poverty in a really basic way, but it's it's about the kind of rich and complicated lives of people in this community. Sean Bean plays the priest in what I would argue is the greatest performance of Sean Bean's career. And it's got this incredible wider cast, including like Anna Friel, um, Adrian Dunbar, Muna Atoro. And basically each of them shows a slightly different perspective on um, Britain after austerity, kind of like, you know, Theresa May's Britain. So there's stuff in there about mental illness, stuff in there about um, poverty, stuff in there about gambling addiction, um, about um, dysfunctional families, the benefit system. And he's the kind of heart of the community and tries to help them all in different ways. And it sounds quite grim. I mean, the Anna Friel episode is essentially, you know, her elderly mother, dies and she tries to hide it because she needs to keep claiming her pension it's it it doesn't flinch away from tackling quite disturbing and difficult stuff but it's actually really hopeful i think when you watch the entire season i think jimmy mcgovern himself said that he saw it as an a homage to it's a wonderful life um which i can totally see um this is absolutely not up your street james dyer i would not <laughs> recommend you watch it um but everybody else uh i would recommend that you do and i believe the entire first season is now on netflix see i do love jimmy mcgovern though so i'm slightly torn the man is a genius yeah i agree yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I will go next with mine, which is something we featured in the magazine before, but amazingly have never mentioned on the podcast, which is Brian Fuller's Pushing Daisies. Now, this ran for two seasons. Uh, it debuted in 2007, and it was it was originally conceived as a spin-off from another show of his, Dead Like Me, which I shall banshee another time. But this starred Lee Pace as Ned the Pieman, and he has this uh, he has a power whereby if he touches a dead person, he can bring them back to life. But if they're alive, if he keeps them alive for more than one minute, then someone else has to die to maintain the balance. And if he touches them a second time, they die permanently. So so he works in a pie shop with Kristen Chenoweth, and uh, the idea is that he, his childhood sweetheart, uh, was um, Anna Friel, and he's she's uh, she's Charlotte Charles Chuck, and he brings her back to life. But of course, they can't ever touch, or she'll die permanently, and they're in love. So they have to do things like kiss through cellophane and stuff. It's awfully sweet. But this whole thing is a really weird, hyper surreal, almost fairy tale aesthetic with incredibly bold, saturated colours. But it's almost like a procedural where he uses his powers to solve mysteries so he'll bring a murder victim back to life and then he and chuck and chi mcbride will try and work out what happened to them and it's really 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 good and you've got ellen green and swoozy kurtz as these kind of his crazy um aunts in it and it's it's really good jim dale does this brilliant 
sort of fairy tale narration to the whole thing and it gives it this otherworldly quality there's never been anything on tv quite like pushing daisies and I, I i it's amazing and it was doing so well and then the writer's strike of that year completely fucking derailed it because it had a full season run and they only got i think like 11 episodes of the first season or thereabouts actually out before the writer's guild strike kicked in and then derailed the series they got picked up for season two but they've been away for quite a while and they'd lost the audience by the time they came back, they never really got it and they got cancelled after season two, which is an absolute travesty because it's such a good show. Uh, this and Dead Like Me as well, which was another kind of death-themed Brian Fuller show. Uh, but really, really good. Uh, he doesn't have the best luck with shows as Brian Fuller, to be honest. Mm. But he's so good. He's got such no. a unique vision. And uh, and Pushing Daisies is, is magnificent. I highly recommend if anyone hasn't seen it, they track down Pushing Daisies and then imagine Jim Dale narrating their entire lives. That is my banshee. Yeah, it was great. And it was on, it was weirdly on Saturday night on ITV. Mm, yeah. Here. Do you yeah. remember? Incredible. When ITV went through a brief period of acquiring really good American shows. So and that good, was one of though. them. It's so good. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Boyd, what's yours? Um, before I'm, I've got a couple of shout outs I've got to mention. Sean the Cabbie pointed out that I'd already, uh, that he suggested Kingdom, which I chose the other week and I didn't credit him. So I have to credit him. And then the guy who, who did the um, spreadsheet, whose ticket to Carcassonne, on Twitter, Steve D. He pointed out um, that I'd already picked um, uh, a show that I did last week. What was the show I did last week? Wherever it was, <laughs> I'd already done that before. Um, so apologies to him. This week, I'm doing The Nick, which was- did we review that on this podcast the, when it first aired? Yeah. Yeah, did I think we? so. Yeah. In two, no, it's 2014. We didn't. Did we not? I We've thought we did. We've talked about it. We have talked about it in some capacity. I checked the the spreadsheet. It wasn't on oh, there. Oh, no, we may oh, not have banshee. I don't believe it's it. been banshee. I just think maybe we've spoken about oh, okay. it. Anyway, go on. Oh, the I'm banshee. The Nick. I'm banshee the go shit out of it now. With Clive Owen, Steven Soderbergh directed it. Not only did he directed every single fucking episode, all 20 episodes of both, 10 episodes each season, he directed the whole fucking thing. So think about that for a minute. Um, and it was set in 1900 in New York in this hospital, and it was all about as you say, um, Clive Owen's character, this doctor who was also addicted to drugs, opium, and cocaine. It was a bit like House in that way. It was like it was a bit like House, but not procedural, and really, really even more gory and violent. And like the the filming of the operations and the surgery in it are quite extraordinary. If you can't cope with gore and blood. Please don't watch it. But it also dealt with like race very interestingly in that period because it starred Andre Holland as an African American surgeon who was who had to put up with um, endless racism from all his colleagues who ran his own kind of um, surgery for Black Americans who couldn't get treatment anywhere else. So he had this kind of secret place where he could come to where he would treat them, and that was a really interesting element of the whole series. It was brilliantly done, um, and it's all on Sky uh, box sets, Sky Now TV box sets now. And apologies that we mentioned it before. I don't, we definitely didn't review it. No, I don't it, think we did. I, I must admit, I found the Nick quite boring, but it did. Uh, I, I recall it getting very good reviews, but it didn't. It didn't engage me. Sorry. How dare you? <laughs> I'm boring. Uh, all right. On that note, that is it for another episode of the Pilot TV podcast. As ever. If you enjoyed the show, then feel free to express your appreciation with a glowing five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to express your appreciation for us personally, then why not follow us on Twitter and Instagram at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and Terry underscore White. Hot fact, guys, I am, as of today, now verified on Instagram. I've got one of those little elitist blue ticks. Oh, my God. I have to say, I'm feeling pretty smug about it. How did that happen, James? Well, you know, Terry, I've uh, got connections. I've uh, it was the got guitar. Influence. It was the guitar. Yes, that did it. I'm verified as a musician. That's what it is. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, we haven't oh. had the guitar this week. I feel like we've robbed everybody. 
I, Come I, on, James, I, play yourself. Oh, really? Play, play yourself. Play yourself. Play yourself. Play yourself. One more song. One more I don't song. Think why one I should have song. to perform to you tickless plebs uh, yet? <laughs> Stairway to heaven. One right. more song. Um, one more song. The guitar is coming out. The guitar is coming out, right? Are you coming ready? out of the case, people. It's coming ready? out of the case. It's I'm going to try very hard not to fuck this up, but I promise nothing. Let's see if we can guess what it is, Boyd. Hmm. <laughs> Sounds like the James Bond thing. Oh, Nirvana. Oh, Nirvana, yes. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I mean, no, we, we can, re- I can, can recognise it. it. Yeah. Although you did, to be fair, you did say you were going to do this yeah. last week. So you did say, tell us that, yeah. Anyway, so there you go. There you go. Amazing. That is me playing you out. I'll stop now. Um, I, think, I think that's a marked improvement, James. Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. <laughs> Oh, God. Right. Me and my unverified colleagues will be back next week when, regardless of the weather, we'll be bringing our umbrellas with us because, because the, um, the Umbrella Academy, it, it sounds. Yes. That's, that's a good joke. It's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's good. Pilot out. Mm.